Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I have been helping a lot of my friends take their business ideas and turn them into purposeful businesses. If you have a business idea and you want to get a business plan together, get a lean canvas together, or you simply want to know how to get a a presence online or social media presence, I am your girl. I now provide that service. You can find out more on our website, uh, bestmorningroutineever.com. Go under the show up tab. Because the show up aspect is you showing up on purpose. It's showing up to live your purpose. And we talk about get up, dress up, and show up. You get up with the morning routine app. You get up with the morning routine podcast. You do more your morning routine. You dress up. We have a new product as well. The Smart Magic Eye Mirror. And that helps you with your calendar on there. Showing you how to be productive. How to be your best self as you get ready and groom in the morning. You see your traffic update. You see your... Your calendar view, you you see everything you need to prepare you for the day, and even affirmations, those positive affirmations. We used to use sticky notes, but now it can be automatically uploaded into your magic mirror. And now the show up piece of it. Starting your own business. You have this idea, you have this talent, but don't know how to get it to the world. I can provide you with the support you need to get clarity on that vision, but also to get you started with a business plan that can get you funding with a lean canvas to help you reach and talk to investors. So that is the um, the morning routine package. Okay, you can find out more at um, bestmorningroutineever.com. All right, let's get to the show. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the best morning routine ever podcast. I am your host, Lunid Lewis. And today I have the pleasure of introducing a very special man to the show, Monk Coleman. Healing from alcoholism, poverty and dysfunctional relationship, Monk turned his life around with one simple decision. He was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And we know a lot of us have been there. Releasing the grip of drugs and alcohol on his mind, body, and soul, Monk has been clean and sober for over 13 years, channeling his energy into a spiritual awakening, including the discovering the power of love, compassion, and transformation through a deep meditative practice. Today, we are going to talk about energy healing, cleansing, and he's a bodybuilder. I mean, this man does it all. So I'm very curious to to hear his story. So with no further ado, Monk, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this interview. The the title alone, what what you do, I'm just like the morning routine. It was so key for me. So I'm excited about talking about it's key to a lot of the transformation that takes place. And it's amazing. A lot of the entrepreneurs that come on the show talks about that precisely, how it's a pivotal piece of the equation to being successful, to being happy and to showing up 
daily in their lives. So I know you are in the Bay Area. So tell us a little bit about your journey thus far. Oh, man. So starting, I'll start from the very beginning. We do kind of choose where we show up, what family we come into, in my opinion. But when we get here, we're not expecting what what we get. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you show up and you come into this very dysfunctional family dynamic, yeah. Uh, with my father passing away when I was really, really young and he was a uh, alcoholic and dealt with drugs and other things like that. My mom was not very educated and she had seven of us and there was no man ever in the situation. Right. Mm-hmm. So we started to learn from, first of all, from her mm-hmm. mainly. And she was very undereducated, like I said, and the way she lived was is about survival. Yeah. It wasn't about thriving. It wasn't about, you know, always on the system doing things like that. It was about surviving, very poor and just, you know, just trying to get through. So nothing about education or well-being or anything like that was taught to us. Right. And so as genetics, you get into alcoholism, too. That's what you meant. You can't choose it. Sometimes the genes just pass on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. So even though my dad died when I was three and a half, that coping mechanism was passed down to me. So when I started to go through my things, not knowing how to do things. And then I discovered alcohol. Mm-hmm. Alcohol was like the magic pill. Yeah. Like the way I was feeling at the time, like really lost and insecure and not being able to speak my mind and very uncomfortable um, in front of people. And, you know, just very insecure because of the way I was brought up. You, every time someone tells you you're poor, every time someone t- tells you what color you are and what you can do, every time give, somebody gives you a message when you're very young, it gets locked into your, your being. We internalize it. Right. We internalize racism. We yeah. start believing it. Yes, we believe whatever it is. So if you're born into a, in a situation that's very dysfunctional, you believe this is what you are. Right. You are exactly the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So as I was getting older, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. But when I drank that alcohol, it released this. It's like it, the, the, the dam broke. I was talking to people. The reason why I was so insecure got pushed down and suppressed and it allowed the real me to show up. Yeah. And it is the real me, but it, it was done by drugs. Right. So when that shows up, you're like, man, I am the guy. Right. I, I have so much confidence. But what the problem is on the back end of that, you got to pay for it. It's not real. Mm-hmm. It's like fool's gold. You think you've found something that's very valuable, but in the end, it's not worth anything. Matter of fact, it's going to take your life if you continue to do it. Mm-hmm. But once I found that, it became my best friend. And with that, I was able to do illegal things and, you know, have a lot of relations and have a lot of children and had a passing on this dysfunctional way of living down. And I thought I still was the guy. Right. I was living fully into the ego and this alcohol was making me really embrace that. Right. It's interesting you say that because, you know, I suffered from alcoholism as well. I call myself a functional alcoholic. And then about two and a half years ago, I stopped flat out, stopped drinking altogether, but then realized I was more outgoing. And then after stopping drinking, I realized I'm more introvert. I actually don't like the socializing aspect of things anymore and as much as I used to. So it is that personality shift that comes out when you are under the influence that you don't have the courage to kind of live with on a sober life. Now you've been sober 13 years. You have to have to replace that um, with something so that the real monk came out. How did you do that? So 
like I was saying, well, I'm going to tell you why I even went that direction. Mm-hmm. I woke up and have on vacation in Florida, uh, Miami, the first night after I got drinking all night into the morning till like six in the morning. And I woke up and I was peeing blood. Mm. So I was paying the price for all those years of using this as a crutch and to uh, really be social and to be able to be brave. All the things that I thought I, I couldn't do without it. Right. I had to pay the price for that. So with that, you would think that I just could stop at that moment, but I didn't. I just stopped for a short period. And then I kept going because now I realize I'm an addict. I didn't think I was until this point because I was just doing what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking a lot, but, you know, going out and being social and doing these things. But I realized how much I depended on this. So it came to a point where a few months after this whole physical thing started, I had to make a decision whether I was going to live or whether I was going to die. I was 38 years old at the time. My dad died at 36 from addiction. So I'm like, I just showed up as my dad right now. And if I don't do something different, I'm going to go out like my dad. So I had to make a decision and I chose to stop. I just chose to stop after a party one night. I just chose to stop. But it was hard because I really realized how anxious and depressed I was. Mm. That was my crush. So if I drank a little bit, I in, immediately I felt better. Yeah. Now I know this is gone. I made this decision. I, this is a real, there ain't no wiggle room in this decision because I tried that and I still kept bleeding. So I had to make a stop. So what I did was I was still smoking cigarettes. For the next year, I smoked cigarettes when I usually don't smoke unless I drink. But I was very just on edge all the time. It was a big part of my life was removed. It's almost like, I was married to alcohol and now I'm divorced from alcohol. So it's like a void. Right. So about a year into it, I was like, well, this is going to be hard. But I was a year sober or close to it. And I was like, I need to do something else. I can't continue doing this. I didn't feel like I had a purpose at this point. I started to regress as far as like being outspoken and my whole personality. And I started to kind of just keep to myself a little bit more. Yeah. And meditation came into my awareness for whatever reason. And I started sitting down Mm. and that's when it started. Everything started to change. And it wasn't overnight, of course, but I said, I need to do something. And I've tried everything else. So I'm just going to give this a shot, see what happens. And I started sitting down. So what I noticed was that every time I did meditate, every day that I did meditate, I had a little bit of a better, I started my day out better. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you start your day out better and your days get better, your weeks get better, your months get better, your life gets better. So there's one thing we can do every day to make your life better. You might want to do that. Right. What happens during that meditation um, space? Because a lot of people, there's so much thoughts going through their mind that they don't know how to quiet it down and they feel that's their job doing meditation. So how can you break it down for them? That's not your job. Your job is to be the witness to all the madness. Mm-hmm. Your job is to let everything you suppressed and repressed your whole life to come up and you're supposed to look at it. Right. So eventually it will start to slow down. At first, it's going to be really fast. All this stuff is going to come up and you're going to want to push it down. And you're going to want to quiet your mind. But that's not it. You're fighting against it. You don't need to fight against it. You just need to be the witness of it. Mm-hmm. So your thoughts are not you, but your thoughts can create your reality. So if you look at your thoughts and you attach to them and it creates an emotion 
within you. Then you act on that emotion. Well, that's going to create how your life looks. But if we can get to a point where we can just watch and just witness it and let it come and let it go without attachment, then you have the choice to whatever thought you want to pay attention to. You can pay attention to that. Yeah. What you want, not what you don't want. Right. What happens organically is when you continue to sit is your mind does slow down by itself. You don't have to try. You get in this relaxed state and everything starts to slow down. It's like scooping up some pond water and there's all kind of algae floating around. But if you let that pond water sit for long enough, it's going to start to settle. So don't get discouraged. And I, I do recommend like doing very short ones at first because it's overwhelming. Now, if you sit with the hour of craziness, that's a long time. Even the five minutes, if your mind's really busy, it seems like forever, right? Am I wrong? Power of craziness. <laughs> like of craziness. You're just sitting there like, when is this going to end? So <laughs> all you want is for this to end so you can say, okay, I meditate. But that's not it. Meditation needs to translate into your life. Like when you get done with your meditation, you take that meditation out the door with you. Right. You, you take that present state that you're in out the door with you. You take that relaxation, and that peace. And that connectedness out the door with you. You show up. You show up in your life. Meditation has to be your life. It's not something you do. It's something you are. Being present with life. Yeah. So what happened to me in meditation, what it did, I didn't know what it was going to do. I had to look it up to even start. I was like, how do you, what's meditation? How do I start doing this, right? Mm -hmm. What I didn't know what it was going to do is it was, it works on your subconscious program. So all the things that I was programmed with as a young child, it began to filter those out and replace them with a new program. And the new program has none of those limits that the old program has. The new program has, instead of coping mechanisms, it has growing mechanisms. Mm -hmm. It has thoughts of empowering myself and empowering others rather than thoughts of using other people, right? So the new program is gonna create a new way of thinking and a new hard drive. So the hard drive is what's running your life. So that's why so many people cannot go, I'm going to change my diet. They change it for a couple of weeks and they're back to their old diet. Or I'm going to stop drinking and they stop drinking for a little while and then stack. Because when pressure is applied in your life, you go back to the default. And the default is that subconscious program. That's why relationship wise, you don't want this type of person in your life. But deep down inside, you believe this is what you deserve. And you're always attracting this type of person with a different name. You're yeah. like, oh, it must be this guy. And then you go, the next person that comes up, they seem like a nice person, but they end up being just like the last guy. Well, you're attracting this because of what you believe about you and what you deserve. Mm -hmm. You might have watched dysfunctional relationships when you was growing up and you believe this is what it looks like. It's not going to be healthy and functioning. It's going to be dysfunctional and unhealthy. Yeah. And just because you don't want it doesn't mean you're not going to attract it. You have to change who you are at the core, which is allow the old self to go replaced by who you really are. And this is going to attract a different type of person in your life and circumstances. And the different thoughts that are thrown up are going to start to change too. So when you first start, it's going to be super crazy. And after a while, it's going to start weeding those crazy thoughts out. So they don't even come to your conscious awareness. So the regular thoughts that are being brought up are healthier. Right. The thoughts of helping people, their thoughts of love for yourself, their thoughts instead of thoughts of judgment and shame and guilt. They start to change. So now you don't have to deal with them as much on a conscious level. 
Most of your thoughts are very healthy and in line with who you are now. And if one that's out of line comes in, you know what to do with it. Right. You don't have to hold on to it. You can see it, say hello, welcome it, and say, now you can go. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's really about changing out that subconscious program because that's what we're, runs us. Right, because we're operating 95% of that of that space, that subconscious mind. We are programmed. It's our programming. It's what we learn. It's what we were brought up with. It's what someone had said when we were very young, and it drives our decision and our action these days. And only 5% of the time, we are living in that creative space that you have harnessed, that creative moment where you are present, you are in the moment, you are here now, and you can actually um, realize that you are not those thoughts. You don't let them run you. You take control. So that's very fascinating that we got into subconscious and and limiting beliefs because that's where they come from. Your example is right on. Like you can try to lose weight, but if the dialogue is that I am fat, I'm overweight, and it's because something that happened, it was my fault, and you go back to that default every time, that is a given. That that is your default. That you know that that's what's gonna happen. To reprogramming it to lose weight, you really gotta change um, the dialogue that's happening inside. And I call it ant automatic negative thought. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are reoccurring all the time. And it's a, <laughs> you need an exterminator to go in there and actually get rid of some of those. So it's really fascinating. And, and as you said, once the dialogue is shifted, your outside starts to change. Right. You know, a lot of people, most people, if you ask them, are you getting, is your life run by a program? They would say no. Mm-hmm. If you ask a normal person, are your beliefs your beliefs? Are you really in control of your life? Everybody would say yes. I, but I'm, they're my beliefs. But let's look at it. When you come into a situation, a birth, coming onto this planet, the people that are around you immediately, your immediate family, start when you get to a certain age, even before you're born, you start to get programmed, right? right? So stress in the mother, even epigenetics de- uh, generations back can pass to you. So then you get here and now... You start soaking everything in from a clean, earthly plane. You start soaking it in. So whatever you're seeing, whatever you're experiencing, it's starting to get downloaded, starting to get downloaded. And then when you get old enough to, to understand what words mean, and that's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Now, do your parents talk about people? Do they right. talk about what you can, you know, the limits that you have? Do they, do they, do you watch them fight? Do you watch them argue? What are you downloading now? What's getting programmed in you now? The first meal you eat is given to you. Mm. You have a choice in that. So now this is your programming of your diet, right? And most of us, I ate probably chopped up hot dogs for my first meal, which is a known carcinogen. And you, we get introduced to our, our diet. And then if you're a religious family, that's go ahead and go ahead and put that in your, in your basket, right? You're going to basically be whatever your family is because it'll be taking you to church or to the mosque or wherever you go. It's not a coincidence that in the Middle East, it's, it's more Muslims than there. What is Allah over there? Is Christ over here? No, it's just because we're passing down the program. Right. The political party that you're affiliated with, most likely it's going to be that of your parents because you listen to them the whole time. Talk about the other party. So you can't be a part of that. You got to be a part of this because this is the only one that's right. Your name, your name was you didn't know what your name was. You just knew that your parents were calling you something. It was just a sound and they wanted to get your attention and they made this sound. And then all of a sudden it makes sense to you. Oh, I must be in certain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So by the time it's all said and done and we're starting to grow and get older and become teenagers, we're already 
super program mm -hmm. of what we can do and what we can't do and who we are. And none of it is us. Nope. None of it is relevant. I had a similar experience not too long ago. My husband and I officiated uh, our friend's wedding and um, being in San Diego where we're always the only blacks in the room. And so that night we left, I was like, we stood up because I was black. And in the dialogue, that was a thought. And then the follow-up thought was, no, you stood out because you're beautiful. See the shift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still standing out, but it's for a different reason. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's taking your power back. Yeah. Right? And, and, and to this day, like back in the day, I used to be always wondering what people that didn't look like me thought about me, especially I have a lot of tattoos and stuff going on. I always, always like, they probably think this about me. Mm -hmm. But you know what I noticed? When you carry a certain type of energy, form becomes less of an issue. Yeah. They don't care what you look like. They don't care what race they are, mm -hmm. what you are. They feel that God in you and they overlook it like it's not even there anymore. Right. What happens, what we do is we have that thought in our mind, like they're not going to like me because of whatever. And we manifest this energy and it becomes that way. Yeah. And everything we focus on grows. It, yeah. What we focus on becomes true to us. So mm -hmm. let's say perception. If I say all women are like this, whatever it is, right? All women are snobs, let's just say, just to make up a word. Mm -hmm. Every woman that I see, I'm going to try to find that in her. It's not going to be there, but I'm going to try to find it. And whatever you try to find, you will find. Yeah. Period. Yeah. If I said I wanted to find my, see if my wife was cheating, I had it in my mind that she was cheating. I could take a regular text and make it how I want to make it. Right. It could match the story. And that's the problem. We're making everything match the story of the program that's not us. Right. We're creating situations in our life that is not beneficial to us. Yeah. If our mind is that powerful to create that, that type of story, then it can do the reverse. So let's talk about the reverse. How do we start that reprogramming? And I'm and I, looking at your book right now, Love Over Fear. How does that play into the, the impact? Well, in my opinion, there's only two things that everything falls under. One is love and one is fear. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, anger, jealousy, blah, 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 go down the line. That's all fear-based. And love-based kindness, compassion, everything that goes with that high vibrational stuff. But for me, the meditation, and for it doesn't have to be, this. it's not a one-way works for everybody. It can be, some people have a, an awakening that just happens. It's very rare, but sometimes it just happens. Like one day they get up and go, oh, I see things for what they are. <laughs> like, you know, it's spontaneous. It's like, bam, oh, we are love. And I'm supposed to be here spreading this love, you know, that type of thing. For me, it was gradual and it's still happening. And I don't think you ever get to a point where you're just not, you're not becoming, you're not awakening even more. Yeah. I think the process, it never stops unless, of course, you're Christ or Buddha or some being that was totally just tapped in in that love vibration and didn't dip in and out of it. You know what I'm saying? So for me, the meditation for one, changed off that program, but it started to allow me to understand that I am love. And I and I am, I'm basically related to everybody on this planet. Like we're all one consciousness taking on different forms. So if I really love myself, I start to love everybody else because I know that's my family, regardless of the meat suit they came in. 
Mm-hmm. That's my family. It's all my family. So if I live from this loving place and I love everybody else, guess what happens? The energy on the planet starts to change. So, like I said, mine was meditation, but that's not the only way. Even getting out in nature, simple breathing techniques, right? Learning how to breathe properly. We don't even know how to breathe properly. We breathe up here, mm-hmm. which causes anxiety and stress. We're supposed to breathe from the diaphragm, which causes relaxation. Just getting to a state of relaxation, relaxation can change your whole life. Right. We're walking around here with this low intense feeling all the time. The fight or flight is always sympathetic. The sympathetic nervous system is always, it's, it's always lit up, waiting for something to happen, right? So if we can get to a place of relaxation and allow ourselves to be, we can heal ourselves. Amazing. We can heal our minds. We can heal our bodies. Everything can change. And I think that's what happened to me in meditation. I just got to a place of relaxation and allowed me to become me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I think People just, they're too much in their heads. And when you get in your head, you're in that little, that little eye. When you just allow yourself to be, you start connecting to the big eye. So some people will call it God. Some people will call it whatever you want to call it. But it's in, it's inside of all of us. Yeah. Let's talk about the vibration. You know, you say you, you get to that high vibration. Let's talk about like the chakras and, and the energy and releasing energy because we're in a, a ball of energy. Right. You said we are all subconsciously just connected. And so I'm releasing and because we we take on other people's energies as well. And so we have to cleanse our own energy and in and, and our own aura. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So everything's moving. Nothing mm-hmm. is static, no matter how a rock is moving. Everything is moving. There's nothing that's ever static. In every moment, we're a different human being on all levels. We got to understand that. In any moment, we can be affected by outsider energy or the energy we would put in our bodies. Right? So meditation, another way, is that's why I'm such a big proponent of it. It raises your frequency, raises your vibration. Fruits and vegetables, especially fruits, raise your vibration. What you listen to, even what you smell, what you see, what you choose to let into your vibrational field affects your vibration. So there's a lot of ways we can do it. One of the best ways, I think, because I came to being vegan without knowing what one was. Like I stopped eating meat three years into my meditation because it wasn't agreeing with this, my vibration at the time. This is what I came to find out. At, at first, I didn't know why I stopped. Mm-hmm. I, someone said, are you a vegetarian? And I was like, yeah. Then I started looking it up and it was saying that the vibrational, the animal, the fear, the anxiety and all that this in that animal, right? The imprint that's in that animal's cells at the time of its death and even before because they're treated a certain way was not aligning with my vibration, my vibration. It didn't want it. It's very low and dense. So I was like, that makes sense. And then also what made sense to me was they are living, loving, suffering beings. I'm like, we don't kill a dog. We wouldn't kill a dog because in our society, let's go back to conditioning. Those are to be cherished and loved. But in China, dogs are just like a chicken or a cow. Right. And we throw fits. This is how how much hypocrisy we have as humans. We throw fits about that dog. But in the Hindu religion, the cow is sacred. But we don't care about the cow because in our our, in our customs, in our what we do over here, we eat cows every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't care about your sacred animal, but don't eat our sacred animal because we'll have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And what it did to me was connect me to all sacred animals. 
They're all sacred. If they have the ability to feel, love their kids, be happy, cry, the animals cry. How is it okay for me to be a part of that? Yeah. I was like, if I can't do it myself, if I can't take a cow, go out in the back and take a knife and cut that cow's throat, why am I eating that cow? Because that's what happened. And that's the energy you're taking into your body. And I think it's super important. Not only that, you don't break down meat like a tiger. It sits in our intestines and in our colon and it putrefies. You know what I'm saying? It starts to rot inside of us. It's already dead. And we've taken it off to our body. It just, it's, it's rotting flesh. So on a physical level, it's messing with you, right? On a mental level, it's messing with you. That energy affects you in every single way, not just physically, but mentally. I know a few people that stopped eating meat, stopped having anxiety attacks. <laughs> the energy affects you. So if you can get affected by someone's energy outside of you, what do you think the energy that's going in you? Right. How is that going to affect you? It's going inside of you, becoming you. You literally are what you eat. If you eat a cow, you're a chopped up, scared, dead animal is what you're becoming. Yeah. How do you do that with um, bodybuilding? What are the biggest, strongest animals on the planet? Name some. I say a lion. Nope. Mankind. <laughs> no. You got elephants. You got rhinos. You got gorillas. You got the tallest one, which is a giraffe. You got the oldest one, which is a tortoise. All oh, none of these animals eat. You got ox. None of these animals eat meat. None of them. And what we do is all our nutrients that we think we need, we're getting it secondhand from the animal. They're eating the plants. Nothing that we eat eats meat. Nothing that we eat eats meat. So we're just getting it secondhand from them. They eat grass or whatever they eat. Why not cut out the middle guy and eat what comes from the earth like they do? It's this misconception in the industry that's pushing the narrative that you have to eat a bunch of steak to be a bodybuilder, Mm -hmm. which is not true at all. We overprotein ourselves. We overmeat ourselves. And that's why we have such high rates of heart disease and every other disease because the, the animal fat does a job on your arteries. Yeah. You can reverse it with a plant-based diet because it's all about blood flow. If you're not getting the proper blood flow to all your organs, wherever you need it, if it's restricted, it's going to cause sickness. So the reason why kids don't get the same type of diseases that we get for the most part is because their blood flow. We're getting stiff because our blood flow is getting restricted. And it's not getting to the bones like it should. It's not getting to the connective tissue like it should. It's not getting to the muscles like it should. Because now the arteries are smaller. So you can change your diet and they can open back up. Now you heal faster. This is why when you're on a plant-based diet, you heal faster. Yeah. The the nutrients in the blood is getting to where it needs to get in big amounts. Chris Paul just turned vegan last year. Yeah. And there are a lot of athletes that are. And they Mm -hmm. notice their performance and the healing happens much faster. Mm-hmm. So it's a misconception pushed by the industry. Like if you're going to sell something, you got to get this message out there that what I'm selling is the best thing for you. Yeah. And it's not right. They used to say cigarettes were good for you. Oh, it's good for anxiety and this and that. OK, we see how that turned out. Right. Sometimes people say alcohol is good for you. Alcohol is not good for you. People say, oh, I can just drink some wine. It's good for the heart. Mm-hmm. Not with the drunk. 
Mm-hmm. It does the opposite. So <laughs> that's just an excuse just to start drinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to drink a little red wine, red wine five bottles later. I mean, is it really doing something good for you? It actually weakens the heart. Alcohol does. So programming again. It's program. It's look, that's why. Why do you think they pay millions of dollars for commercials? Because they don't work. They absolutely do work. Think about what you just said. Programming. Mm-hmm. You watch TV. What is it? A program. They're telling you it's right in plain sight. I'm going to send you a program and you're going to take that in. And even if you don't think it's affecting you, it's affecting your subconscious. That's why when you go to sleep, it's super important to put on some guided meditation, not watch the news, not watch something violent before you go to sleep. Because as you sleep, you're in this really receptive state mm-hmm. where you're getting everything is getting downloaded. Right. Even if you're not hearing it. Right. In between the dozing off in the actual REM sleep. Alpha state. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting just everything is going in. So that's what me and my wife do every night before we go to sleep. We put on a guided meditation. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have something programmed, you might as well have something that's going to benefit you. Right. I put binomial beats on yeah, depending on yeah. what I want to work on. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So. Yeah, we have to be super aware of that. Everything affects us in right. our being. And that when it, when it comes to the food, I'm not I'm not this vegan person out there that's like, uh, stop killing animals, stop this. I understand that everybody is where they are. I understand that. So when I give information like this, I'm not giving it with that uh, one ounce of judgment. I'm giving it because I love people and yeah. I want people. I love the planet. I love Gaia. I love the earth. And this is tearing the earth down. I mean, if we can do better and keep these energies out of our body, we're going to be more loving and caring people right. as a whole. I agree. Yeah. People don't understand how food affects them. It directly affects your mental state, your mood. Mm-hmm. Your stomach is sending messages up to your brain all day long. When you have a bad diet, you're going to have a bad mental state. You're probably going to be dealing with a lot of depression and other things that come with a bad diet. Right. Not getting what you need to get to promote a healthy emotional state or physical state. When you realize that everything is energy, when you know that, then you start to set boundaries for yourself. If you're around a place that's making you feel not well, you get out of that place. Yeah. If you have a friend that every time you talk to him, you feel drained, it's time to look at your friends and really put up, you know, set boundaries as far as who you let into your space, who you talk to. Mm-hmm. And what happens naturally is when raising your vibration is things, people start, different type of people start to come to you and different type of situations start to come to you because you can only attract what you are. So the issue is if you had a friend for 20 years and you're like, that's my ride or die. You're starting to change, evolve and ascend. You're not going to be at that same level as that friend but because you've known him for 20 years, you feel obligated to remain in a relationship with this person, even though it's hurting you. You got to let go. We got to let go. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. If they're not coming with you, you got to leave them. Yeah. I don't care if you've been married for 20 years. If you start to do that healing work and you start to raise your vibration, you're not going to be a match anymore. Yeah. People are afraid if you're changing. What, what does that say about them? They're not changing. So the jealousy comes, the fear that you define earlier starts to kick in and they try to hold you back. Yep. You have to let that go. I don't care. Don't stay together for the kids because that's just going to hurt them. Kids feel that energy. Mm-hmm. If you together just to be together for the kids. You're hurting the kids because they feel that energy. Kids are very receptive to energy. So I don't care what you say, that discord that you have with your mate, they're going to feel that. 
Yeah. And they're going to look at your relationship like, I guess marriage is just being unhappy and sick staying together. That's the program you're giving them. Yeah. They know mommy don't like daddy and they know daddy don't like mommy. You don't think, think they're stupid. But if you can separate but still with some love, right, and understanding that maybe we're not good together right now, but we still love each other. We don't hate each other. And we can just go our separate ways and show the kids what it looks like if you separate that love can still be there and it doesn't have to be this take them to court and have this long drawn out hateful thing going on where people, the parents are talking about the other parents to the kids, right? One parent is saying your mama and the other parent is saying your daddy, you know what I'm saying? Instead of that saying, you know, we love each other. We're just at different places in our life right now. Yeah. But we can't remain in a situation that's going to hurt us. It's not in alignment with who we are becoming. Right. Exactly. That's why I say, if you don't grow together, you're going to grow apart. That's it. You can't be on two different levels and still maintain that, that relationship. That is nice. Yeah, that, that's a whole different podcast in it, within itself. I, I love to right now still get to talk about your morning routine. How do you get up, dress up and show up? Because you serve clients. You're an author. Um, you, your life is pretty busy, but you show up every day with gusto. How do you do that? How do you get up, dress up and show up? Just recently, because I was only doing a half hour in the mornings uh, meditation and I would get up at 515 and I said, you know, I need to do more. And because I think there's a big shift going on in the planet right now, a lot of crazy stuff is happening. I need, I felt like I needed more. So I backed it up. Now I get up at 445 and I do an hour. And I, I'm doing that because when your energy, it feels like you need to receive something. In my case, I want to be there in that state for longer to get what I need to get and to really be present with everything that's going on. And I don't feel like a half hour is good enough in the morning. So I, I extended that time period. But first thing I do when I get up, I brush my teeth before I start meditating. I brush my teeth and then I go, I have my meditation stuff uh, mm-hmm. already out. And then I come out to the living room and I sit down and take my breathing, a couple few deep breaths. I just settle in and I settle in for an hour, really about 50 minutes because at about 10 minutes before the hour, then I start doing my stretching. I start doing, I do the child's pose for about five to 10 minutes. And I also go through affirmations. And after the affirmations, I go through my gratitude stuff. And after that, then I usually have a client shortly after that. And I'll drink uh, my lemon water and then I'll see my client. And after my clients in the morning, then I go and I read or go listen to something I want to listen to that interests me. Mm-hmm. Different podcast or whatever. But that time after my morning clients is when I do my studying and my learning. And I'm already in a very receptive space Mm -hmm. because of what I did when I first got up. Right. And that's why it's so important. When you leave the house, you want to be in a really in a place of when your antennas are up and you're very receptive and aware and present of everything that's going on. If you just get up and run out of the house, it's like a schizophrenia. Every you haven't settled in, you haven't done anything, you haven't breathed properly, you haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. You go out and it's just madness, mm-hmm. right? Jump into traffic, you're caught in traffic, people honking, and everything seems so fast. But if you do something in the morning to slow it down and become present, even in the same situation in traffic, there's a different feeling there. Yeah, a feeling of acceptance there. There's a feeling of this is where I need to be right now, and maybe you turn on something to listen to, to stimulate your mind or whatever, instead of just like sitting in traffic, can't wait to get out of this traffic. You're like, 
well, this may be an opportunity to, to listen to something that I've been putting off. So your whole mindset changes. Mm-hmm. You're like, everything is there out there for me instead of everything's out there to get me. Yeah. But you have to be present for that. If not, you're just going to be on the surface of the water, just getting tossed around. Right. That meditation grounds you deeply. So even in turmoil times, you can still be silent. You can still just be not get knocked off your square. You respond to outside stimulus different. You find peace in the midst of it. Yeah. You don't let it control you. Things from the outside. You are grounded enough to where it's just it's like a, a fly flying around you. You can just be like, you know, shoe fly don't bother me type of thing. Right. Where a lot of people, they first thing that happens, they're just they're gone. They're fully controlled by whatever is going on right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets you to a point where instead of reacting, you respond. And those are two things are so different, but people use them together like it's the same thing, but they're not. A reaction is unconscious. A response is conscious. A reaction is you have really no control of what's happening right now. You just jerk. Yes. Jerk response. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And response is, which also meditation gives you, is a space to where you don't have that reaction. You have, I'm thinking about how I'm going to respond to whatever situation it is. And it's just a small space, but it's a super important part. There has to be space between the reaction and whatever outside stimulus there is, right? So if someone comes up and says something to me, very rude or hateful, I don't just react back to that. I There's space there and I respond to it in the best way that's going to be best for the whole situation. So it might be something like, you know, you have a great day. You have a beautiful day. I love you. How is that person going to take that rather than F you, right? We're going to escalate this thing or I'm going to diffuse it with love. Yeah. Without that space, you can't do that. You're always going to feel victimized and you're always going to react to whatever happens. Someone cuts you off, you immediately react, honk your horn, give them the finger. Right. Now, if someone cuts you off and you're in a meditative state of mind, you're like, maybe they had to get to the hospital. Maybe they had someone sick in the car. All these scenarios can happen. They didn't intentionally do it to you. Mm -hmm. Why are you mad at them for doing something on accident? Even if if they was like, I just didn't see you. Why are you mad about that? We've all been there. We've all done that. So it just gives you some space. It gives you understanding about people that people may be going through some very hard times right now. Yeah, that makes sense. They can have a lot of trauma right now. And how would you act if you were going through something where your mom was real sick and your kids on drugs and you just overwhelmed with life and then something happens and they react to whatever it is and they, they lash out at you? What would you do in that person's situation? How would you feel if you were going through all that stuff? It's overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. We have to step back and have some understanding that people, everybody, especially right now. Yeah. Understanding is power. Yeah. Understanding is power. It gives you the person power, but it gives you compassion as well and love towards other people. So I really, really am glad you shared that. This is amazing, amazing work that you're doing. How can we find you? How can we connect with you to learn more? Um, monketernal.com is my website. I mean, I, all my social medias are there. And in my book, Love Over Fear, A Guide to Peace and Purpose is on Amazon. But also, if you contact me on Instagram, if you want a signed copy, 
I also do that. I'll sign it and send it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but monkeyturtle.com has all my social medias on there and uh, the book is on Amazon. This is fantastic. Thank you for sharing. We'll put that on the show link. Morning Enthusiast, this has been Monk, a transformational coach, motivational speaker, now an author. It has been a pleasure coming on here and I, and I love your take on meditation and how transformative it could be, not just for now, but like getting rid of past trauma. That was the big takeaway for me in this conversation, how how important um, meditation is over time to really eradicate those negative thoughts that are in there, these negative programming. So this has been very helpful and insightful. We thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. All right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.